Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Lord, we just come with open hearts before you, just like buckets that you would pour in whatever you need to uh, this morning in Jesus' name. There's such a sweet sense of the Lord's presence here, isn't there? You know, anytime we sing that song, I just feel like the Lord sits in this room. I don't know if you guys feel that, but it's like he likes when we just take time to say we exalt you. We just lift your name on high, just pure adoration of the Lord. I think he just loves that. So Pastor John's out of town with a bunch of our men. I've heard from him. He said the place that they're at is just amazing and that it's been wonderful. They haven't had much of a schedule. They went kayaking yesterday and um, they've been eating a lot. And, you know, Ronnie said they were going to come back heavier. I said, that's definitely not the way that you advertise for a ladies retreat. You know, if I told you all, we're going to go to our women's retreat and you're going to come back heavier than when you left, nobody would sign up. But men are like, oh yeah, let's go eat food and get heavier. So they're having a great time. Uh, and I'm trusting that it's been good to just go and be restful, like to just not have an agenda and just hang out together. John uh, mentioned that it's been really good. Um, so he asked me to preach and I thought, I'm an, I have a captive audience. I haven't spoken in like a year, so get ready. Are you guys ready to just stay here? No, I'm just kidding. I won't preach that long, but uh, I am, I'm excited. And so I want you to turn uh, with me to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to just share with you what's most recent uh, that's been catching my heart. Um, I did. I, if you're not familiar, one of my one of my most favorite, 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 favorite things to do is lead people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I just love it. I love doing that. And so uh, last week at camp, or two weeks ago at camp, I was um, doing baptism of the Holy Spirit for the children, and that's that's a message that's pretty common for me. I usually do it every year at camp in one camp or the other. And, um, but I thought I'm going to just go back and revisit, um, this scripture and really read because, and you know what I love about the word of God? Um, it says it's alive, it's living and it's active. And if you, if you've spent very much time in the word, you know, this to be true because you can read the same scriptures over and over. And every time there's something different that pops off the page to you, it's because it's alive. And, uh, so we're not going to get, Acts chapter 2 is like Holy Spirit's big debut. If you're not familiar, all the believers are meeting together in one place because Jesus told them you're supposed to hang out and wait for the promise that, you know, Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit. So just stay there. So they're all meeting together and boom, the sound like a rushing wind inside the building. Fires are appearing over people's heads. They all begin to speak in tongues. It causes a big uproar in the city. People are coming saying, what in the world is going on? Uh, and Peter rises to the occasion. Instead of just like putting his foot in his mouth like normal, Peter rises up and he just shares the gospel message for the first time since Jesus has you know, gone on to heaven, just tells people who Jesus is. And it says the crowd is cut to the heart. And they say, what must we do to be saved? 
And so Peter continues to preach and, and urges them, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And it says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 people. Holy cow. It's like instant megachurch right there. First church ever. This is the first church. And it's just like, bam. So what I, what I caught my attention is, so that's kind of just leading us up to what's going on. This is the birthing of, of, of the church, okay? So if you go over to, and we don't have the screen this morning because uh, Corey's not here this week, and I'm not smart enough to figure that out. So uh, get your Bible out. We're, we're going to do it this way, which I kind of like better anyway. All right. So this is good. Get your Bible out. Get in it. All right. Find Acts chapter 2. Okay, so we're going to start in 43. This is right after all those people, 3,000 people were added, okay? It says, am I in the right? Am I 40? Oh, 42 is what I really want. Sorry. So they joined with the other believers and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to sharing in the Lord's Supper and having meals together and in prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and they shared their proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. And so I, I just want to focus, I mean, we're really only going to look at like a couple of the, the scriptures in depth, but that's kind of the picture of what the first believers did together. And I think probably that's one of the models that we should follow because here it is in the scripture, all right? And so this is the first church and, and there's two things that stand out to me in this. It's like a model of awe and devotion. So when I was reading this at camp, um, the scripture that says, and a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many signs and wonders. Like I was sitting in my room at camp and I'm just like staring at verse 43. I'm just like staring at it. And just reading it over and over. Because there's something about that to me that just gripped me for whatever reason this time. I've read this a million times. But a deep sense of awe came over every person. And I think that's something that we have to have. Your, your Bible might say a, a fear. Um, that's like a holy fear. Not like an afraid, like I'm terrified of you fear. But like a reverential holy fear of the Lord. But I like the word awe. And you know, in our day and age, there are so many things that make us ooh and awe, you know, that all the technology, technology is just changing so quickly. It's just like every time we turn around, there's something new and it's, it's amazing. I mean, we, we go, oh my goodness, you can do this, you know? Uh, I can stream anything from my phone directly into my TV and watch it. I can, you know, everything I have can fit in this. You know, I can talk on it. I can email on it. I can read blogs on it. I can Facebook. I can do anything in the world on this. 
and our, our technology, it's like it fends for our awe all the time. And, but, but when I look at, at just church in general, the American church, I'm wondering, do we, do we have that sense of awe with the Lord? Or are we being too captivated by what the world is offering us? I mean, we're talking about the God of the universe. And I think there's something to this, that there should be a deep sense of awe that covers all of us when it comes to the Lord. That we should be totally amazed by him and just totally reverent towards him. Because he is, you know, he is so good, but he is absolutely holy. He is absolutely holy. That's why when we sing songs like we just were, like I exalt you, it creates a place for him. He, he loves being where he's, he's feared. And feared in the right way. You know what I'm talking about. And then there's this other thing about devotion. That right off the bat it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals together, which includes uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, and prayer. And so I'm looking at those things saying, I think that's probably really important for our church today. But what keeps us from that place? I looked up the word devote. I mean, we all kind of know what devoted means, but I was curious to see what the dictionary version was because I just like that. Um, and, and so devote means to give yourself entirely to. To give yourself entirely to the teaching and the training and the discipleship to the fellowship. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we can be totally devoted to God. If I said who's, who's devoted to God, pretty much we'd all raise our hands, right? We can talk about things that vie for our attention. But I find it interesting that here the believers are completely devoted to one another. They're devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to breaking bread together. They're devoted to being trained and equipped with one another. And they're devoted to prayer. And I think that that's that's huge because, you know, we can all be devoted to the Lord and absolutely we need to. Please don't leave here saying, Ashley said Jesus doesn't matter and we only need to be devoted to each other. You, you know what I'm saying. Our, out of our devotion to the Lord, then we can be devoted to one another. But what keeps us from that place? There's so many things. Number one is all the stuff. I couldn't even think of the right words for that because it's just all the stuff. What keeps us being devoted to discipleship, to fellowship, to prayer, all the stuff. And by that, I'm talking about social media, internet, our phones, all the activities, our sports, our DVRs, all the apps on your phone and the games, your gaming systems, shopping, all these things that we do with our time, all the stuff that we have available to us, all the technology, all that stuff can keep us from being devoted to one another. And that's dangerous. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad because I like sports, I like my iPhone, I like playing games, I, you know, all of these things, but in their proper thing, in their proper place. You know what? Even some of us, we can get to the place where our children and our husband are before the Lord or our family, and it's just chaotic. And it's keeping us from being in fellowship with other believers and with the Lord. So all the stuff, 
When we find ourselves devoted to any of this above God and his people, there's a problem. So sometimes I like to, to, to just do a self-check. I'll just give this to you. Do with it what you want. Um, so if I'm supposed to be devoted to like teaching, discipleship, fellowship, prayer, am I praying more than I'm fill in the blank, whatever your thing is? Am I, am I praying more than I'm playing Candy Crush? Am I meeting with people and in fellowship more than I'm watching everything on the DVR that I've recorded so that I can catch up on all my shows. I don't have a DVR, but I know some of you do, and some, for some people that's really important. Okay? Am I... So do you, do you see what I mean? That's a, good, that's a good way to check yourself. Whatever your thing is, your stuff, put, just put that in the blank. Am I praying more than I'm... Am I fellowshipping more than I'm, you know, so am I worshiping that more than I'm worshiping Jesus? Okay, so number two, another thing that keeps us from being in that place of awe and devotion is disappointment. Disappointment. Now, what I'm really, this disappointment, I think, will really um, sabotage our prayer lives. And I'm I'm sharing this personally because there was a time in, in our lives where John and I and you guys were on the journey with us, some of you. Um, we were like, we're praying for healing. Like we are going to see it come, you know? And, uh, we had a man who was a part of our church, Stan, who, um, was diagnosed with cancer and they moved away. But our church rallied for that man in a, such a precious way. I mean, we were doing like 24 hour prayer. We were like pressing in for this man. And we knew that we knew, man, God is going to restore. And you know what? Stan died. And if that doesn't pop your balloon, then that same year, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer and we thought, we're going to see it. We're going to see the miracles. We have all these promises from the Lord. We had these words given. We're like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And you know what? She died. Before she died, there was another man in our church who just went into instant liver failure. We went over and prayed with him and you know what? He died. And, and I don't mean to be like a downer. Some of you are getting like, Ashley, you're, this is so encouraging. Thank you. But I want to be honest. That's part of my story. That's part of my walk with the Lord. When you're pressing in for something and you continue to see what you, you think is not an answer, there's a disappointment that settles in your heart. You mix that in with a leadership failure for that year and some hard relational stuff and some pastors that were just so pouring into us that left their church in a bad way, all that in one year. And we were kind of like, okay, we're done. I mean, we were still pastoring and we were still doing everything, but there was, some, there was like this disappointment that veiled our hearts after seeing so much loss. And you know what? It's hard to devote yourself to prayer when you're just disappointed. And that will be an enemy to your awe and devotion when you experience disappointments, whether relationally, regarding healing, whatever you're praying for that doesn't happen. And the enemy will just slide right in and you won't even notice that your heart is veiled with something that's keeping you from 
being who you're called to be and who the Lord calls you to be. Devotion is an enemy of that. Number three, the, uh, the third thing that keeps us from a place of on devotion is hurt. And this is really going to be the bulk of what I feel like the Lord wants to do in us today. And I'll preface this by saying this message has nothing to do with any of the conversations that I've had with anybody in the last two weeks. But I will say that everyone that I've spent a lot of time with and talking with in the last two weeks have all referenced somebody that's hurt them that's keeping them from being in a relationship now. And hurt from past relationships will keep you from fellowship. It will keep you from being devoted to the body of Christ in the way that you're supposed to be. It will keep you from being devoted to somebody pouring in your life and discipling and training you. Being burned, being let down, being hurt, being stabbed in the back, whatever you want to call it, whatever your phrase is, by people is one of the main reasons that we pull back from relationship. It's one of the the main things that keeps us from fellowship. But you were not designed to live alone. From the very beginning, in, in the garden, God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. From the very beginning, we have been designed to be creatures of fellowship. We are designed to be in relationship with people because we are designed after God who is in himself in relationship father son holy spirit perfect relationship and we are designed in that image it is not good for us to be alone but what happens is whether in a marriage relationship in a friendship in a church setting you get wounded and so when you get wounded your natural tendency will then be to you know get put a defense up so that you do not get wounded again Am I right? And then we just go on our merry lives and move on. Some, some of you are like the write-off person. So somebody hurts you and you're just like, I'm done. See you later. And you just check out of that relationship and move on to the next one. Some of you are laughing because that's you. Like you, when you're done, you're done. You, you don't talk to that person anymore. You, like, I don't know how that works. I'm too relational. So I just cry about it forever until I have to deal with it, you know, and continue to try to make things work. And, uh, but here's the thing. We can, keep, we can be wounded, and if, you, if that's not dealt with in your heart, if you haven't forgiven and let the Lord heal you from your past broken relationships, they are affecting your current relationships and they will affect your future ones. And I know that's kind of bold, but it's truth. If you have not dealt with the broken relationships of the past and those disappointments, they are affecting your current relationships. They are. And when you get get in that place where you have barricaded yourself in and you have pulled away from the fellowship because you are hurt, the enemy throws a party because he's won. You know what? And I think that this is so subtle and it's not something that we talk about a lot, but I think, man, the enemy is winning when we just let him have the foothold and we back off from people. Okay, and it goes like this. I'll I'll use um, lots of examples. Okay, 
you are in relationship with someone who's really challenging you, a mentor or something, okay? Somebody who's pouring into your life. Something happens and they pull back, even if it's their own thing. That person is out of your life. They either hurt your feelings, whatever. They pull back. Then you're left with a hole in your life. And that's really hurtful. Even if you're not totally like going through this thought process that I'm playing out for you, this is happening. Okay? So you just keep, you just keep doing your life. So the next time that somebody is wanting to pour into you, you avoid that completely. Why? Because you have a sense of abandonment from the last person. So is this person going to abandon me like that person did? Okay? Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I spent a long time in a relationship with a young girl that I was discipling and having a good time. You just, just really came very close with her. And uh, that didn't work out. And it was pretty ugly at the end. And so like two weeks ago when I was at camp and they had all of the leaders come and stand in front of all the youth and said, you need to be discipling someone and pouring into them. There was something in me that like, if I could have, I would have crawled up the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, do not, I, I will, I do not want to mess that up. I, I am so terrified. I just don't think I have anything to offer that. I just can't go there. Why am I doing that? Because I don't have anything to offer? No. I'm doing it because I'm hurt. Because there was still something in me that says, I'm not sure that I can do this because I was so wounded last time. So I will stand like this and say, I'll be glad to mentor you. And you know what? This is the thing. Think of yourself right now in whatever relationship that is already popping into your mind that in the spirit, you're just standing like this. So it's like, hey, Margaret, how's it going? Good, great, okay. Hey, Kim, how's it going? You know, good, great, all right. And then we just kind of walk around like this all the time, you know. And this is not a picture of being devoted to each other in fellowship. When you're sitting across the table at coffee with someone like this, we would never do this for real. All of you are like, that, that, that would be rude and that would be weird and awkward if I went to coffee with Katie and stood like this the whole time. But the fact is, is that a lot of our spirits are doing that. This is how we live our life. And some of us worse than others, depending on what your past is. Now, again, I'm not sharing all of this stuff to make you guys feel really depressed. Like, okay, great. Ashley prayed for a bunch of people that died and didn't get healed. And we're all living like this. Okay. Amen. Let's go. I'm sharing it because I think the Lord, uh, when, I, when I've been just praying, I get a sense that he really wants to heal hearts this morning. That it doesn't have to stay like this. That, that's not the way we're intended to live. And you know what? He's got you. I love in the word when it says that he's a shield around you. So like he can be my defender so I don't have to live with my hands up like this. And you know what? Here's the thing. All of these guys in Acts, they weren't perfect either. And when you continue to read all the way through Acts and then you read some of Paul's letter, you recognize there are some issues in the church going on that he addresses. And so we're, we're flesh. We're going to mess it up. We're not always going to love. 
But in the middle of that, I, I think we can maintain that foundation of awe and devotion to one another. There's a, there's a scripture that became very dear to me, and I, it resurfaced just like a couple weeks ago. I read it again, and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Like, I just used to live by it because I was in relationships that I needed that all the time. It's Proverbs 17, 9, and it says, uh, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it will separate the closest of friends. And so how do, we, how do we live out a life where we can be devoted to one another in a healthy way without the pain of the past? It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness will unlock the door and allow your heart to be devoted to people again. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. And I love that because you know what? That means love is prospering when there's fault. That means that when I say the wrong thing to Katie, or do the wrong thing, if she's quick to forgive that fault rather than dwelling on it, then love is prospering between us and not separating us. That means, that means an action, the fault can bring us together through forgiveness rather than creating a barrier of bitterness and hurt. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates the closest of friends. If you've ever had, um, if you've ever had a falling out with a very close friend, you understand that to be true. When you go, how in the world did that relationship fall apart? We had so much invested there because you were dwelling on the fault. It will separate the closest of friends. It will separate the closest of spouses. And so this morning, man, either whether you need to forgive or you need to stop dwelling on the fault, I want us to live in a place where love is prospering, where we can be completely devoted to one another and to fellowship and to having dinner together and to, to hanging out. See, there's something to church. This is awesome. This is great. I love that we come in here, we sit in these lines, we worship the Lord together, but this is not fellowship. So we are committed. This would be like to the apostles' teachings, okay? We're committed to hear. We're committed to being trained. We're committed to having pastors pour into us. We are also committed to the fellowship. That means go to home group. If it's meeting, when it's meeting. That means have somebody over for dinner. If you're worried about how your house looks, take them out for dinner. <laughs> Get together with people. Don't let the enemy come in with any kind of thing that would keep you from fellowship. And then pray. Be devoted and committed to prayer. And not just like, I'm laying in my bed and Lord, thank you for the day and give me good dreams. You know, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Pray. Be devoted to prayer. Whatever the Lord's calling you to, pray fervently. And I think that when you see these things happening in our lives, when we're devoted to those things, that's when the awe will settle in. There will be signs and wonders released among us. There will be things happening. And again, you know what? The signs and wonders are not what we're going for, but certainly that 
I read too much of it in this Bible to say my life can't have that. I, I want to see that. I want to see more miracles. I want to see things happening. We're getting little tastes. We're getting little shots of miracles all the time. And I think it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And as we see them, there's more of that awe that comes over us. I mean, like last year, if, you, if you're not aware, um, one of our elders' wives' kidney grew back. Like that gets your attention. You go, oh my, what? That what? Like she goes in and like the kidney had no blood flow, was completely dead and totally shriveled up. Then she goes back and it's, it's like fine. There's something new there. And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. There's something more to this life than just going through the motions and doing whatever and living our lives kind of like this because we're so wounded and we're so tired of people. We are never going to get there, people. We are never going to see the breakthrough and the signs and the wonders and the miracles if we live our life like this. Because part of what releases that is love for people. And if I'm praying for you, but I'm like... I'm praying for you, but I don't want you in because I'm, I, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. Then what's really happening there? So I, I just want us, I, I just, I mean, you know, I'm talking to myself. I shared the, my one from last week and, and I would have never guessed that was in my heart until I got to camp in that place. And I'm like, I am uncomfortable and I don't want to do this. You know, it, you know something's in your heart when you get into those places and you start getting agitated. And I'm thankful that I was in that place because you know what it did? It uncovered something in my heart that the Lord said, you need to forgive and you need to be healed from that. I said, okay. Forgiveness will unlock it. You know, so many times we just live in a prison of unforgiveness, and it grows roots of bitterness in us between, you know, against our spouses, against anybody. But let's take care of some of that this morning. Let, let the Lord highlight your heart. As uncomfortable as that might be, would you let him in? Would you let him highlight those things in you so that you can say, I'm living like these guys, completely devoted to the saints, completely devoted to the fellowship with them and to prayer and to teaching. You know what? Your issues might be with somebody in this room. They might be with me. Let's make it right. And then when you make it right, you know what? Probably next week, and if not next week, the week after that, somebody's going to do something to you. And you're going to have the opportunity to put the wall back up and pull back from fellowship or you're going to have the opportunity to forgive and let love prosper. Let's be people that live by that proverb. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates the closest of friends. Let's be the people who let love prosper in our lives because we're quick to forgive faults of those around us. Are you guys willing to do that? I mean, I'm in that place. I, I'm done. I, I, I want to see. I want to be who God really made us to be. I want to see the stuff. And if that means I need to lay down my other stuff to see God's stuff, I want to do it. 
If that means letting the Lord heal your heart from disappointments for the things that you've experienced and prayed for and didn't get, let's let him do it. Can we declare the goodness of the Lord even when we feel like he hasn't been good to us? Yes, we can, because he's absolutely good. You know, and that, I know there, there's so many questions left in our mind, except for I know that when I come into the presence of the Lord and I see him working, that there's an awe that comes over me and some of that stuff melts away. And that's what I'm talking about, getting to the place of awe and devotion, and not just to the Lord, but to one another. It's easy to reset our hearts and be all in for the Lord, but can we be all in for each other? Look around this room. Look at who's sitting next to you. Can you be devoted to that person? Can you be devoted to that person? Can you look around and say, I will walk in forgiveness so that love will prosper in this place and in this house, and I will be devoted to you? I can tell you every person in this house is worth being devoted to. Some of you I know very well. Some of you I know a little well. But I don't look around in this room and see anybody that that I go, watch that one. So I want us to close with a response because I can't preach a message like that and not have you respond. So you can throw on some music. And I'm, in the response, I'm going to ask you to move. So just prepare yourself now. I know some of you don't love that. If you have found your place, or if you have found yourself, not in a place of awe and devotion to the Lord and to one another, I want you to begin to ask the Lord why. Maybe it's all the stuff. Maybe you're so busy with all the other things that you don't have time for the fellowship of believers. Maybe it's all the stuff that's hindering you from being devoted to prayer. Maybe what's keeping you from that place is a deep disappointment that you might not have even known was there. Ask the Lord what that's from and allow him to heal your heart. And maybe it's just from wounds, from people wounds. And again, you know what? You may not have even walked in this house thinking that there was anything there, just like I went to camp not knowing. But then you get in a place and you're sensitive to the Lord and you begin to let him in. He might highlight something for you. And if, if he highlights something for you, I want you to be able to respond and be healed this morning. I want you to find your, pl- your voice and say, I forgive. I forgive. And that might be a hard thing. 
But when we say, I forgive, that's not saying it's okay. You know, like when kids say, I'm sorry, it's okay. And that's kind of what we've turned forgiveness into, and that's not what it is. When you forgive, you're releasing someone else, you're releasing yourself from a prison, and you're just cutting that off and and saying, I release that person. What they did to me was not okay, but it will not have power over my life. And so I forgive. I forgive what they said. I forgive what they did. I forgive that. And so uh, what we're going to do, you can throw on some music, Dad, and um, I'm going to just ask you to come forward or move up a row or something. Put action to your heart. And I know that that's not always necessary, but this morning I felt like the Lord would say, you know, if you're, if you're really serious about this, even if you just change your position, do something in response to the Lord, whether that's coming forward, whether that's moving up a road to say, I'm sort of coming forward because uh, I'm not comfortable with totally going forward, but let's put some action to it. And you know what? I'm, I'm here with you guys. I'm here, but I want to be people who live like those guys in Acts. And so I'm just going to let the music play for a little bit and let you let the Lord just kind of minister to your heart and surface whatever needs to be surfaced. We'll have some people available to pray for you. Um, and then I'll just, I'm just going to kind of close in prayer. If there's somebody in this room that there's an issue with that you need to make right, then go to them. If it's me, come to me. We cannot flourish if there's issues because dwelling on those will separate us all. And so let's have an atmosphere of forgiveness in this house where love can prosper, where we can forgive those who have injured us and where we can release our disappointments to the Lord and let him heal us. Father, as we respond to you, we invite your speaking voice to be louder than any other voice. And we tell the enemy he has no place in this house this morning that you are done dividing our relationships and our devotion. And Father, we will come to you this morning with repentant hearts, on our knees, turning towards you, saying we will be devoted to you and to your people. Forgive us from, for being strayed by things and stuff, for disappointments that have made us weary in our praying and for hurts that we might not even realize are hanging on to our hearts and keeping us from each other. Lord, would you just begin to highlight our hearts and show us what you want to heal this morning? Thank you. Um, the Lord has been dealing with me back here. It's pretty simple. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You know, Hebrews talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. We got saved by faith. We get healed by faith. We're going to forgive by faith. What you were talking about, I forgive. I choose to forgive. Once we start declaring that, I choose to forgive. Then the feelings will come in line. The Lord knows, just like you were saying, that unforgiveness is going to eat us alive. I heard someone compare it to me drinking 
battery acid and expecting it to kill you. So it's a choice. I choose to forgive. You don't have to feel like you might want to throw up when you see somebody. Or you might get angry when you see them. But I choose to forgive. We All we have to do is obey what the Lord told us to do. Let him do all the rest of it. Like I said, the feelings will get in line. I choose to forgive. That's so true. That's a good word. Thank you for reminding us of that. I'm going to pray. And if you want somebody to just agree with you in prayer on something, grab one of the leaders or me. We'd love to just seal that in you. Uh, But, Father, thank you for working in our hearts. Thank you for giving us the will to choose to forgive. And, Father, this morning, as we may have gotten rid of things in our hearts that didn't need to be there, Father, I pray that you would fill us afresh with your joy and with your spirit, that we would walk out of this place feeling lighter and with a genuine joy and happiness that comes from you. Maybe our circumstances didn't change. Maybe that person didn't change. But the fact is that because we've chosen forgiveness, then we can leave with a spirit of joy. Thank you for doing that in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.